Gang, you know, I'm a little bit depressed. Football, yeah, it's over. But the NBA, college basketball, the NHL, they're in full swing. Baseball's ramping up. The only place you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline, it even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine, and it's pretty fun. And of course, the 24-hour online casino. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I mean, everyone, yeah, I mean, what I took away was that just the, the standard do your job. You know, you're only as good as your last play. Um, you know, don't be an error repeater. Um, put the team first. Um, you know, be accountable. All those little things that, you know, I mean, those were literally on a sign walking in. It was do your job, put the team first, um, you know, be accountable and something like durability is your ability, you know, is, is more important than ability. All right, gang, welcome into the Hardwick Life podcast. I'm your host, Nick Hardwick. Joining us today is a friend of mine, Lonnie Paxton. Lonnie is best known as one of the greatest long snappers of his era in the National Football League. His career spanned 12 years and a total of 200 in 50 games. Goodness gracious. He played nine years with the New England Patriots, three with the Denver Broncos. He won three Super Bowl championships with the Pats, which were Super Bowls 36, 38, and 39. And uh, thanks to the Chiefs losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he is a member of still the last team to go back-to-back winning a Super Bowl championship. He snapped on nine of Adam Vinatieri's game-winning field goals, including famously the tuck rule game, against the Raiders in 2001, which the Pats won 16 to 13, advancing them to the AFC championship game. And he snapped another game winner at the beginning of the Pats dynasty in their win over the greatest show on turf, the St. Louis Rams. Since retiring, Lonnie went to work for Red Bull as their senior marketing manager in global sports. He's now a strategic advisor for multiple companies, including PowerDot, Kind Humans. He's on this call from the Kind Humans bus, I've got the kind humans hat on kindness, pass it on. Lonnie's got his hat on and he's a strategic advisor for knocking point wines. We're going to gain a ton of insight into performing at the most critical moments when seemingly it's all on the line, his relationship with uh, the greatest competitor of all time. Tom Brady can cleanly say that now nobody can doubt that. And we dig into the inspiring projects that he's got going on now. He's a father to four. He lives a super fun life in Southern California. You're going to enjoy following him and everything he's up to at Lonnie, L-O-N-I-E Paxton, P-A-X-T-O-N. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. So as I was kind of building the bio out and learning a little bit about you, it's funny, you don't dig into your friend's past, right? It's like, I'm not like, I don't go Google search my friends and go, hey, well, what has he done? Where did he come from? You know, all those things. I remember meeting you for the first time. It was, I believe, in New England. And we met pregame on the field at Gillette Stadium. And we had both had good tattoo work done. And I think it was kind of, an anomaly at the time they were like hey you got some sick tattoos and then you kept yeah. giving me a hard time you're like are you gonna fill in that one part on <laughs> on your arm yeah yeah i mean you, you 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 blasted your your ribs but you wouldn't go inside your arm i was like what's up buddy i i guess it's for the uh front bicep pose you really want to be able to see the actual muscle so see i left shadows, a, a window. Yeah. yeah i left a window into that world there 
potentially. So, <laughs> and here's something know. I didn't know. I always knew we were kind of kindred spirits and got along super well. I did not know, and this is probably uh, naive of me. I didn't know you were an offensive lineman at Sac State. Yeah, lineman played of the line. year. Man, played line. Um, I, I thought of myself as a pretty good utility guy. I played tackle, guard, center, long snap. Um, you know, and I got – I was just happy snowboarding, finishing school. I was like, I'm not going to make to the league. Look at these beasts that are in the league. And I've, I'm still a fan of just, like, athletes like yourself that have put in that, you know, play in the trenches there and can just battle with other, you know, freaks of nature. And so I just kind of thought in my head I never really would have this shot. So I just kind of went along my way. And every time scouts would come in, a couple of my best friends were getting worked out. And they're like, hey, you should just come down and, uh, you know, bring a football. I was like, I don't even have a football. You know where to get a football? And I couldn't afford, <laughs> like, an NFL ball. <clears throat> so I borrowed a football from somebody who was trying to be a snapper from years past. And I come down, do all the bench stuff and the running and drills. Mike Tice worked us out. Um, uh, uh, Mooch worked us out. And I was I was like, uh, you know, hey, all right, finished up. See you guys later. I was like, hey, I can long snap, you know. And then they're like, okay, let's see it. And I'd just throw some heaters. Uh to my buddy there who was, he was a guard, um, you know, spent a camp in, in somewhere, but he was kind of like my lucky charm. You know, we'd always go to these barbecues, have a couple pops and, and bring the football. And we'd kind of play these aim games of like, all right, 10 times over here and five times over here. And then try and hit, you know, the barbecue stick that I got you know, and like hit the beer bottle and all these things. And so we kind of had this mojo um, and it paid off. It worked out. The scouts were tripping. And, you know, I actually, came out with uh, Billy Bullock. So Billy and I, his dad was my head coach and neither of us knew how to get an agent. So we got like a real estate agent to overview our rookie contract. And like, that's how we got signed. Get out of here. That is, it's such a wild story. So did you ever think as you were at Sac State that, Hey, maybe this long snapper thing could work out for me? I mean, maybe it's just my self doubt a lot in a lot of situations that I, you know, pretty hard on myself. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, like I see these guys doing it. I could do it. Okay. But can I really though? And it's in a, you know, Super Bowl or in the snow or whatever it may be. And so, you know, my coach really had to pull me aside and say, you know, you need to, you need to like have some confidence and, you know, perform for these scouts because you got a chance. And, you know, to go to Sac State, I was pretty down in the dumps. I was going to a JC and Sac State came in last minute and said, hey, we need you to we need you, we need you now. And so they gave me an opportunity. And so the Patriots were the first one to come to me and say, Hey, you want to, you want to come out and try this thing out? And, you know, I was fourth on the depth chart. And I remember it was a windy rainy day in, uh, in, in Rhode Island where training camp was. And, and I threw strikes. The other guys didn't. And I was on the team. I was on the roster like the next day. Do you ever think about that time when Tice was out there and Mooch was out there and was there, was there any apprehension and going, Hey, I can long step. Do you guys want to see, was there any, was there a part of you that, almost didn't throw yourself out there and go, yeah, hey, hey, watch what I can do. Oh, we did. My coach had to do it. He's like, Hey, you want to show him you can snap? I was like, well, shit. All right. You know, I brought the ball. I was, you know, there's no cell phone. So I was snowboarding the day before and I was all sore in my legs and knees. And, you know, uh, I didn't get the message till like eight 30 at night, you know, on our answer machine, you know, and it's like, Hey, you got to work out tomorrow, bring that football. So, you know, I, I hit the bench like 26, 27 times. You know, which was pretty good in my forties. I never like, yeah, I was never like a, I was like a five one guy, five one five or something. So I wasn't super fast. Cones were all right. High jump, nothing. You know, I'm pulling this trailer of <laughs> an ass behind me. So, uh, uh, but then, yeah, it was kind of I impressed them um, after that, and they passed me up, and the Patriots were there. So you know, 
good things come to those who wait. Do you remember the phone call? And and did they call yeah. you or did they call the real estate agent? Who'd they call? No, they they <laughs> called uh, they called my house phone and you know we were watching the the, the draft and uh, it was after the draft and like I didn't even take any other calls. We just like started crying and you know they gave me a plane ticket and a T-shirt and ironically that same plane ticket we uh, we connected in Minneapolis where Brady got on the plane. So that's kind of our first time we met was heading to this rookie camp. Oh no, kidding! And you've guys been pretty close ever since. Yeah, yeah. So take me through. You're fourth on the depth chart when you show up. Was it at Bryant College where you guys were doing it? Yeah. In Rhode Island? Yeah. There? yeah. Did you? So I, I've got some buddies. My college roommates were from Rhode Island. And I remember going out there. They lived in Smithfield, which is really close yep. to yep. Bryant College. Did you guys used to go to Parentes, that little bar? Oh, was- Parentes. Yeah, that was the, uh, that was the Thai law, Lawyer Malloy, Kevin Falk spot that they'd take all the rookies. They'd you know, they'd break your door down, take you to Parentes and make you do a 10 shots, you know, the night before a, a big camp practice or something like you couldn't get out of it. That was the hot wings and, uh, and shot spot. That was before everybody knew how bad alcohol was for you or didn't care. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't think yeah. I cared. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wonder now, like, do guys even drink during training camp? I, I have to, I, I have to wonder. I mean, maybe some of the vets that aren't really concerned, but you know, it's such a performance based league now that you know one little slip up you know but it was then it was then too but it was just like guys thought differently they didn't think long term they didn't think about having 21 year careers and right it was like i mean i was talking about this yesterday i work out at exos up here with aaron taylor and carlsbad and we do these morning programs for old guys and um you know aaron's great exos yeah, he's awesome. Um, he was just texting me while we were on this call. But we were, you know, we never did any of this core activation and, like, really concentrated from, like, the core outwards. You know, in, when I right. first got the league, it was pushing sleds. We had, you know, if you couldn't do shoulder squats, you put it on a belt and you did belt squats. And, like, you know, abs were like, hey, get your 30 abs on your way out of here. You know, whereas now it's completely switched where the training room is much more of a focus in your strategy in the, in the weight room. Yeah. You know, rather than vice versa, which it was when I came in the league. And that's, I mean, when junior showed up in like, Oh, six, whatever. I mean, he's, he didn't touch a weight and he's just balancing on this, this, you know, this ball throwing things against a recoil machine. I'm like, what the hell you do? He's like, buddy, I don't touch the weight, bud. (laughs) Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy was uh, buddy. He was Jack though. Wasn't he? Oh man. Yeah. Beast. 20 years in, still a great athlete. I, I will never forget. I didn't get to play with Junior when he was in San Diego. I'll never forget his, like, one-day retirement. When he came to San Diego, he's like, all right, I'm officially done. I think it was after Miami, and he was with Miami. And then he had – I think he broke his arm that year. And then he came out to us, and then he had a little retirement. And he gave us a speech and everything. And it was basically about playing through injuries. And he was like – it was like, ignore the pain and trust the process. And basically he was like, got to get out there and do it. And he had this huge to do. He catered it and all, and there was bleachers and people were out for the retirement. It was awesome. The very next day he signed with the Patriots. And, (laughs) and so the very next day he signs with the Patriots and then in the championship game of 07, when we came out there, yeah. Yeah. And you guys were undefeated. And we loaded up 70 power and 
Junior knew it, and Bill called a perfect stunt or whoever called the stunts. The line slanted right to it. Junior ran through the front side A gap and made the play, tackled Mike Turner in the backfield, and that was it right there. That was the, the end of the game. It was like 21-12, and then turnover on downs. And then there was – I was recalling this because as I was watching the, the Super Bowl this, this past weekend, it was uh, 21-12. And I – if correct me if I'm wrong, I got to go back and look at the game book. But I remember it being like you guys got the ball back with like nine – plus minutes to go and we're sitting on the sideline we're like all right we got a couple more possessions that we're going to get here maybe we can got to get a field goal got to get a touchdown we're right in this thing and hopefully our defense holds up it was like a nine minute four minute drive and we (laughs) never touched the ball one more time and i was like goodness gracious Uh, you guys were scary man i mean uh you know even with one-legged phil you know it was still scary (laughs) like he was still chucking it you know yeah, one-legged Phil. Uh, Gates had a – he tore the plate off of his big toe, dislocated oh. his big toe midway through that year. LT had the MCL, but That's I tell right. you, like, yeah. there was just so, – there was something about those Patriots teams that were just so well-coached, man. They were You guys were just – You know, so and a lot of guys bought in, you know. I mean, you, you kind of see all the fan – you know, the, the media coverage of, like, Bill versus Tom, and now it's Tom and all the – you know, it was everyone. I mean, Tom would be the first one to tell you. That it was guys like you know Matt Light and William McGinnis and and uh, Rodney Harrison when he got there and and uh, Mike Frable and Larry Izzo all these guys they bought in you know so that's kind of that created that that atmosphere and that um, you know work ethic and and whatever the Patriot way is like that those early days kind of created that and now those guys have gone to other places and I think brought that with them um, and it just it shows with all the success you know Vrabel's having as a coach. Tom has and other players who, who leave, uh, you know, that system. What did you take out of that whole time you got to spend there? It was nine years in new England, right? Yeah. Like when you look, when you look back on that time, I always, cause Marty Schottenheimer just passed away and every day I wake up and I think one play at a time, man, one play at a time. It's yeah. like every single day, it's just beat into my head. And that's kind of the lasting impression that I have from my career almost is one play at a time, or I'm right. not as good today as I will be tomorrow. That's kind of become a theme after some setbacks and trying to get better and just always continually on the search for a, the championship of sorts, right? It's not, not winning a Super Bowl at any point anytime soon, but what was your, from the time you got to spend with that crew and you just named some legends of the game and, you know, like I said in your bio, you're one of the greatest long snappers that's ever done it. What'd you take from your time? I mean, everyone, yeah. I mean, what I took away was that just the, the standard do your job. You know, you're only as good as your last play. Um, you know, don't be an error repeater. Um, put the team first. Um, you know, be accountable. All those little things that, you know, I mean, those were literally on a sign walking in. It was do your job, put the team first, um, you know, be accountable and something like durability is your ability, you know, is, is more important than ability. And, you know, we, we kind of lived and breathed that and, you know, <clears throat> no one was safe. You go in those team meetings and, and, you know, Bill's MF and Tom, he's MF and junior, he's MF and Teddy, you know, all these guys and, and no one's safe. So, you know, yeah, sometimes it wasn't fun and it felt like this just kind of you're, you're in this just, hellhole of a of a, you know what's supposed to be a professional sport and be fun and still be a game but it was it was definitely a business and a job 
but that bonded all of us together when those good times, when the, when all that work was paying off and it was on to the next one. Like, you know, if, if you do bad, you point at yourself, you do good, you point at all your other teammates. Um, you know, no one really sat there in front of the media and said it was all him. And, and, you know, I take that with me today in business. I mean, <clears throat> we've have, you know, I'm mean, with startups now and I was at GoPro for almost eight years and, you know, everyone comes in like, that was awesome that what you did with X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, okay, like what's tomorrow? What's going to look like? Because, you know, in the corporate world, it's meet to have another meeting, to have another meeting, to talk about the meeting yesterday and move on to like, you know, it's just treading water. And so I always felt like I would get cut the next day at, you know, in the corporate world. So I treated my job like it's, it's that last day. And where a lot of people seem to be on scholarship, you know, they're just kind of treading water sitting there. Um, so I took that with me, and, and those are some of the you know principles that I think were laid down in those early days. That is what I feel like is the huge difference, and one of the big transitions out of the game is the urgency that is lacking from the real world, where mm-hmm. in football, you know you've got a fight coming up. You said, I felt like my job was on the line every single day. Was it a beatdown? Like, thinking that the job was... Or was it invigorating? Was it like motivating to get out of bed to go, hey, man, if I jack up, I could get cut. And then I guess that the next thought would be, how do I go perform and let it rip while also thinking my job's on the line? I mean, it was a little bit of, of the latter, just because, you know, you have this kind of uh, – last emperor figure walking through the hallways, you know, <laughs> with a hoodie and kind of has his head down and like, <clears throat> you know, nothing squeezes by him. You know, if you said something, anything, I mean, he has a booklet of, of printouts that he's sitting there every morning walking, you know, he's up there at five thirty or whatever it is. He's walking on the treadmill. He does like seven or eight miles on the treadmill and his assistant is next to him with this giant booklet of all of the articles, you know, but back then they would just be printed out. Now he's reading them. So he comes into the team meeting. He knows what you said. He knows what you said. He knows what the guys are going to ask today and what you should say. And he cut nothing got by him. So every day, in addition to your job on the line, it's like, watch what you say, because now it's going to be kind of this, this thing. And he will call you out. You sink in your chair in front of everybody. And you don't want to be that, that, that one who's going against the grain. You know, you just, you want to be in that kind of, uh, you know, you're that extra link. Hey guys, I want to give a brief moment to talk about our newest sponsor, eBay, whether rear dead stock or the latest release, you can find the exact shoe you're looking for. You can find anything you're looking for at eBay. Really. I find all of my technical equipment there for the podcast, a lot of workout equipment, but as the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing with eBay's authenticity guarantee. Your sneakers are meticulously inspected by the independent professional authenticators, a team of experienced sneaker authenticators, verify the box, logo stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it protects sellers with a verified return process. And for sneaker sellers out there, if you're a seller, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers $100 and up, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. That's eBay. You know, you were part of the first three Super Bowls of this dynasty with the Patriot of 
I guess the first part of the dynasty, right? You guys won three Super Bowls, 36, 38, 39. But, and you, you talked about doing your job and trusting the process. You hear that all the time. And I'd have to think that that's part of New England's thought process. Trust the process, trust the process. But it was, I would imagine that it started to beat down. It evolved into a beat down and ended up same way. And it seems like he's just, still doing the same thing, Belichick. How did you guys trust that all of that work and some of that misery was going to be worth it to get to the fun on the other side? Because it hadn't been done, right? You guys were unprecedented in New England having accomplished what you accomplished. How did you trust that this all of this work was going to pay off? And I think a lot of people can relate to this question. It's like with anything, with diet, with exercise, with, you know, being faithful to your, your spouse, like putting in all the work with your kids at an early age. It's like, but you don't really know. I mean, there's a little bit of faith that goes there and it is hard work. And it's a lot of, some days it's slogging along. How did you guys trust that this was going to eventually pay off? Yeah. I mean, like you said, you you kind of started, started to see some of these things come into play. I mean, our, our first year we were five and 11, it was kind of a throwaway year. We come back and the roster is probably 75% gone. Um, so he brought in, you know, the Vrabels and Izzos and, and uh, other guys, um, you know, veterans, um, in addition to some, some other rookies in that, you know, like Matt Light in that 01 class. And that year was we had a coach die in preseason, literally in training camp on the treadmill. We, that was the year of 9-11. That was the year when, you know, Brady came in, Bledsoe got hurt, Brady comes in and, I think we played the Chargers the following week um, and lost, but then um, we, we kind of had this, this thing going. But you would see the, all this, this very detail-oriented approach by Belichick. He would lay out the three things you got to do to win. You know, take away these two guys. You know, don't get in third and longs and, uh, you know, stop them on whatever this is. So he would lay out those three things, and you guys, if we do – these three, we're going to win. And you would see it happen. We did those three, we'd win. We'd get our butts kicked. Um, we'd come in and say, we didn't do these three things. I told you so. And so you're kind of like, wow, this kind of, this guy, he's a tactician. He really knows some of these things. So let's maybe start following his lead. And he would start practices over. We'd be in the you know, 18th period. And he's like, get your ass back on the line. We're starting this thing over. And it was, no one was, you know, guys would mess around and, and he would just, he would put a stop to it. So you're like, okay, well, this is working. And if he says this, do this, you still had emotions going on in practice. You still had guys fighting or doing whatever, but, but he would put a stop to a lot of the ancillary things pretty quick. And as you saw it working, you know, these, these details and, and uh, the little things, uh, the, the, the fundamentals, you know, not jumping off sides, don't fumble the snap. I mean, I remember he made Woody and Brady stay after for about an hour and do like a thousand snaps, you know, cause they had a, drop one drive it wasn't even a fumble i think it fell on it but it was a drop snap in the game wow and they're out there on monday doing a thousand snaps you know <laughs> so you, I mean, that's you, why you can see. yeah right so it's like yeah. the okay, details so yeah yeah the details and the knowledge and you guys know when you see and we know we've been around the sport long enough at that point that you know when somebody's got their act together it is right. it's really good and, and he was such a, a teacher i mean I wouldn't even say just historian. I mean, he would pull out clips and we'd laugh sometimes. He'd pull out clips from like Detroit Lions in 65. You know, it's like black and white (laughs) footage. And you're like, you know, like, you know, like where, you know, where cover two comes from? 
And he would go into this history lesson of where cover two actually came from. Or, you know, the, you know what the over defense, you know where this originated? Like he would, he would pull out these old clips of like the 85, you know, uh, bears or the 86 giants, whatever. And we kind of chuckled because all, you know, it's in black and white. It's like watching, right. you know, this old Steve Sable film or something, but then you, it's, he would just, I mean, you're not reading off a book or, and he would just peel it off of like the scenario, the weather, the down and distance, the game plan going into it, what was coming after it. And it was just unbelievable. So, I mean, he really had us all believing in what he knew and, and how to teach it and, you know, how to execute it and, and win. Yeah. And you guys, I guess, saw the upper limits of what the knowledge could be like of yeah. football and grasping concepts and knowing the history and thinking through a game plan. I, I have to imagine that that is just transmitted to everybody going, Oh, this is the possibility of, football and this is you know learning the history of things and why and the concepts and that translates so well okay i got asked in the gym this morning and i've been asked multiple times on like sports talk radio and stuff and it i think i have a different take than a lot of people do on this because it right you mentioned it earlier it's bill versus tom what do you actually think that it's bill versus tom at this point and because people, of course, he wins his seventh and everybody's like, oh, how's Bill feeling about this? And I'll give you my take after you go, because I don't want to taint yours. But what do you th <laughs> what do you think about that whole relationship I think, there? I mean, it's, you know, a 20 year marriage that, you know, kind of respect. Um, neither of them would have got to where they are without each other. I don't believe. Amen. Um, I think that you know, it was time for a change. Um, Tom, you know, there's an end coming, whether it's five years from now or next year, whatever, you know, let's go see if I can turn this on in a, <clears throat> in a place, you know, that's, that's got a new uh, juju around it, got a new atmosphere, a new set of guys, new set of, of uh, opponents, you know, um, you know, and everything, all the benefits that come around with living in Florida, the, the weather and, state taxes and being closer to Costa Rica and all the things that as you know, he's in Baker's Bay, as he's later in his career, some of these things help with your, your mental health, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I guess when people kept saying, Oh, Bill's got to feel like a dummy for letting go of Tom in my head, I have to imagine that he, yes, he's a competitor. Right. And yes, he's like, dang it. I'm going to go get him next year. Like you would. But I also have to imagine that there's a part of that relationship. That's a little bit, and they may not say it ever to each other, who knows, but it is like father son, right? Where I give my sons all the tools that they need to go be successful in this world. And I've built the systems up and the thought processes and here's the way to think about the game. And then you're going to go do it with your own flavor on this thing. And you're going to take that. And if I see you have more success than me as a dad to a son, I'm nothing but proud of you, dude. Like, and from a business standpoint, if the business is built to last, if it's a really stable, solid foundation with great systems in place, that when the owner steps down, somebody else can come in and it's going to run seamlessly, right? It's like, this is almost a franchise model that he's taking and going to Tampa. And he's like, I got this. Thanks, coach. But I don't know if they'll ever say that to one another. But in my head, I have to imagine it's not really... Bill versus Tom or Tom versus Bill. It's like, 
hey, thanks for all that you did for me. I'm going to go try something else out down here. And like you said, for mental health, for to refresh and to rejuvenate their career. It's like, try something else, work with somebody else. Part of it's just got to be, and Philip Rivers was this way. It's like, it's a curiosity. I want to go see what yeah. another building looks like. What's yeah. another city feel like? Play different opponents, play a completely yeah. different conference. Like there's so much that goes into it. Yeah, yeah. There's no, you know, I wouldn't say there's animosity. It's it's personal growth, you know. And and like you said, if if the if the model is really the model, then then they'll be able to, uh, you know, plug and play. I mean, the Patriots had like ten or twelve players opt out this season. You know, that I I think there's a few plays that could have gone their way. They could have been in the playoffs. So, you yeah. know, it's not like they had the worst year of all time. It's not like the Bucks had the best year all the time of all time. They turned it on, you know, when it was needed. You know, and in December, that's when you make your money. So, um, you know, I, I I just chuckle at it because, you know, the media will spin whatever they want to spin, spin out of it. Uh, but you guys who've been in the locker room, they know, you know, there's there's some, some things that will never be told. Yes. Um, take me through, if because I think these moments are super awesome, right? Like the, the division game to get to the championship game when you guys won your first Super Bowl and then the Super Bowl moment in the Superdome beating the St. Louis Rams. Can you still feel like those snaps? I mean, I, I read nine of Adam Vinatieri's game-winning field goals. You got a snap to. And nobody thinks about the long snapper, right? The kicker gets all the credit, but the ball's got to be <laughs> just right, man. It, it yeah. does. And I know you guys, I know there's a I can never, I can't spin a ball. Everyone goes, oh, can you long? No, I can't long snap. I can't spin a ball. But not only that, it's not just spinning a ball. It's like being around Dave Ben for so long. I know that you guys, the best at the game, can put the laces on the holder's hands right where he wants it so he doesn't even have to spin it when it puts it down and holds it. Like there's, there is such yeah. art to that and such technique to that. Take me through a little bit of like, those critical moments in the snow against the Raiders, the, that game, take me through the, the Super Bowl game winning field goal. Take me through those. What were those like? Yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, you know, like I said, it was such a funky year and, and um, you know, Boston was really affected by nine 11 and with Joe Andrewsy had a couple yeah. brothers in the trade center. You got out and we're saving people and, you know, still to this day deal with some PTSD stuff and, you know, his family was really affected. So we were all affected and, and we get to, you know, we had to make up a game at the end of that year. So we were all in the playoffs and we had to play the Panthers, just the throwaway game. And then three consecutive games. So it dumped snow at, in uh, Foxborough, last game in that stadium. Uh, you know, Benetary kicks a 48-yarder in a blizzard, like one of the best kicks of all time, you know, against the uh, – <clears throat> against the um, uh, Raiders and, and obviously the, the tuck rule and then, uh, you know, just the atmosphere alone and the snow angel, everyone remembers the, you know, the snow angel that I did and just like pure joy, you know, yeah. my Cali buddies are up in the, in the stands, they got their shirts off and they're hammered. And it's like, you know, <laughs> nice. we talked about it ahead of time, just, you know, doing some snow angels cause we're Cali kids. And so that, <clears throat> and that led into Pittsburgh where we didn't have a great offensive performance. Tom got hurt. Drew came in and actually won the game for us and where it was two special teams touchdowns, you know, so it was a, it was an odd win, but all of a sudden we're in the Super Bowl and there's no bye week because of the makeup game in nine 11. So we had to literally on the plane, we got our tickets and packages for the Super Bowl. We had to like come wow. up with names that we want for rooms. 
and then go home, you know, it was, uh, it was super late at night and then basically get on a plane the next day down to New Orleans and they already expected the Steelers to win. So there was a Steelers colored hotel and there was the Rams colored hotel. They had to switch the Rams to the Steelers because there were similar colors. And then we got the Rams. Hotel. So they had to make all these adjustments at the end, you know, right when we won. <clears throat> And you go down there, you're on Bourbon Street, and, you know, no one knows Tom. I, we literally walked down Bourbon Street to a couple places on our off night uh, before media day, and, you know, no one recognized anyone. It was like, who are these other guys in town? Um, and then, um, you know, come down to that last drive, and and we got a chance, you know, to, to – we, we were able to, you know – you know, our defense had a great plan of like chucking Marshall Falk off the line and, and chipping these receivers and they, they didn't know what to do. Um, and uh, we had a really good performance and came down to, you know, that final drive where, hey, should we take a knee and take this to overtime or let's go win it? And Charlie Weiss and Belichick and Tom and the, everyone who made those plays put us in a position to kick a game-winning field goal. So, you know, um, I grew up an L.A. Rams fan, so it was something for me to just like be in this. I had no clue. You know, I'm just this dumb California kid just like happy-go-lucky and all of a sudden there's millions of people watching you know at this last chance so I just like chucked it you know you say this precise and we go the, we go through these repetitions and, and it and it is like we could snap with our eyes closed but in that moment it's like okay what can I do to really not mess this up and I'll just just throw it at his face so like right you know he's got this giant nose our punter so I just like keyed in on this big target <laughs> I just chucked it right at his face and and uh, I tripped, you know, a guy tried to jump, so I flipped him and, uh, and ran down and did the turf angels. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a great experience. That was back in the day when they could still line up over the centers. These guys, they don't even know what it's like I, anymore. I mean, got, some, some I monster breathing down your neck. A monster. I mean, the Daryl Russells and, I mean, the guys you play against, you know, 60 times a play, but oh. I got my head between my legs and they, and they just tee off on you. Or they used to. Yeah, they used to. So you focused on the nose. Could you, and and literally, could you see the nose? I could see the nose. I remember it just like it was yesterday of just him turning around and like in slow motion, see his hand. We had our little kind of cadence. I couldn't hear, but you know, I kind of watched this, you know, his hand go. And then just, you know, I was like, if I throw it out over the spot and he's got to reach for it, or, you know, throw it low and inside. So I'm like, okay, almost just like, let's throw a fastball right at his nose because I know where that's going. Um, yeah. and, and we kind of had this, you know, we worked really good together. He was a great holder, one of the best I've been around. So we, we kind of had this little mojo. I think that's one of the most important things in like big critical moments is focusing as small as you possibly can. Like having right. a target and focusing incredibly small. I'm listening to a book right now about getting into flow states and, all of the noise goes away when you can focus your aim just incredibly small. We used to say as offensive linemen, especially in pass protection, find the smallest hole on his jersey that you can focus your eyes on. And usually when your eyes are focused and not darting all over the place, going crazy, then your hands do exactly what they're supposed to do. So it's a big time because your eyes, I don't, I know this now after talking to a bunch of neuroscientists, your eyes are your brain. They just got pushed out of your skull at the very end of birth. It's like a kind of a crazy thing when you see an wow. embryo develop into this thing. It, it, the, the brain pushes out. So your eyeballs, it's like it knows as long as you can see, it knows to focus on the nose. That's, wow. was, that is, it's pretty cool. 
It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's yeah cool I'm actually involved that. in a I'm involved in a uh, a, tra- uh, a traumatic brain injury film now. As That's right. Producer, and we're doing a lot of studies on brain training, and so I'm sure. I mean, I'm learning about this throughout the process, but I've heard that recently, and and there's a lot of like brain training techniques that athletes are really concentrating on the neck up to then help them focus on all the below the neck stuff. Tell me about that. Tell me about the the documentary you guys got coming. Um, so, um, yeah, after my GoPro career, I, I, I got hit with the COVID route, you know, kind of uh, layoffs and stuff and pivoted to being a strategic advisor for a couple brands, um, kind humans, as you see power dot, the mobile electric STEM units and a uh, knocking point wines, which we're doing celebrity collaborations and, and, uh, brand partnerships and stuff, but kind of a passion project that came to me through some old GoPro context came from a, an athlete over in Australia. Um, his name's Kobe Stevens and he, his career was finished from concussion. And so, you know, he spent three and a half, four months not being able to stand up, you know, without getting dizzy and wanting to fall back asleep and all these things that come with brain injuries. And, and uh, none of the doctors in the league were willing to like take a chance and, and diagnose him, you know, in a special way, they were all kind of these standard protocols that he would have to, you know, Oh, do you fit into this box or that box? Well, come to find out he, he found this doctor that is doing these really unique treatments um, and assessing your injury in a different way, more on an individual level than this like group kind of protocol level. Right. And he was back to being athletic surfing, you know, a businessman within a week. I mean, literally three or four visits to this doctor and it got him back to being able to be a real person. Um, And so he did some more research. He's actually a filmmaker in his spare time. So he started doing some research on this and it turns out this guy helped, a professional surfer Owen Wright come back from this huge crash at Pipeline in in uh, uh, in Hawaii to uh, you know he'd gone through the same thing with doctors that couldn't assess it went to this guy within a couple of weeks is now back on a surfboard and competing at the highest level who's now an Olympian so he started digging and there's a story here and this like common denominator is this doctor and this treatment method come to find out he's got ties to America and helped Sidney Crosby come back on the ice with his big injury and um, Kevin Pierce, who's a professional snowboarder, also kind of came back from this. He was in a coma for three and a half months after the, this big crash at the X Games and was at Sean White levels. And they had a film about him called The Crash Reel. So there's these, all these athletes that lead back to this doctor and this methodology. And so with my contacts through GoPro and uh, uh, some of these filmmakers that worked at GoPro and NFL Films and HBO, we kind of brought this like dream team of producers together to help tell Kobe's story. And it's been uh, really eye-opening to me. We're on a weekly call with the guys in Oz and our, our production team on the East coast. And this thing is uh, we're shooting some, some uh, sit down interviews over the next month. We'll have our trailer ready and this thing will be in Sundance by 2022. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Super cool. All right. Give me, give me the name. So Sundance 2022, Uh, give me the name one more time. Right now uh, the placeholder is called thrive. Yeah. So the idea is like all these concussion stories that we know, teammates or people who've had these things and the bad things have happened that's what you know concussion to be the movie some of these injuries and the, the downside well this is kind of that comeback story that positive ending that feel-good ending not only for athletes but for people who have dealt with these brain injuries from you know your you know grandma falling down the stairs to a kid who takes you know falls off his bike all of these things you know the athletes only make up 10 percent of brain injuries globally it's the other 90 percent so the film's called Thrive because we believe that not only can you have these injuries, but with certain techniques and, and rehabilitation protocols, you can actually thrive out of it. So, 
And I totally agree. I totally agree. And it's, it's about work, putting that proper work in, getting proper care, but there is a lot that can be done to restore neurocognitive function. It's one of the most plastic things that we have in our entire body. The circuitry can we rewire itself. It can go around some flat spots. There's so much that can be done. So really cool. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Yep. Take me through kind humans. Um, yeah. So kind humans was started by, uh, one of the early uh, employees at GoPro, literally number four at GoPro, Justin Wilkenfeld and his wife, Susie Wilkenfeld. And, um, you know, he's got a deep marketing background, helped build that brand, you know, from four employees to 1600 employees, employees and a billion dollar business in this little storytelling device. Um, so he kind of has this vision and his wife is very in tune with, with, with product lines and, and where the materials come from and how they're, you know, how eco-friendly are they and sustainable are they? And, some of these health products on, you know, kids' allergies or, um, you know, single-use plastics and all these things. So they kind of combined forces and kind humans came from just that. It's like, how can we be, you know, conscious consumers while also telling stories of causes and and build a community together? So there's a marketplace, um, kindhumans.com, where you can go and find these sustainable products. Um, But we're also telling stories and, and partnering with brands and doing collaborations to raise kind of be a marketing arm and raise awareness for little known causes out there. And people are doing some of the best things ever, but you, you just never heard of them or they don't want to beat the drum of how good they're doing because they're kind of, uh, you know, they kind of want to hold back and, and do it themselves. Well, we're trying to raise them up and, and give them a voice. Um, so a lot of cool things going today. We just announced uh, Darren O'Lean came on board and Darren is the co-host of the Zach Efron show down to earth. Um, cool. big superfood guru and, and health guru. So now he's our VP of health and innovation along with some old, uh, 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 our former VP of marketing at GoPro, Paul Crandall. So some big moves coming there. And, and it's, it's with the times we're in the, 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 you know, the 2020 was so bad in 2021 and, you know, kindness pass it on is such a good message. And my kids love it. Everyone who sees the hat loves it. I'm in a van that's got it on the side and people honking me all day. So, you know, it's, uh, it couldn't be a better time to just pass it on, buddy. That's cool. And I love, I love the concept of just spreading goodness, spreading cool stories, because we live in a world, right. Where it's like fear and anger sells so much, but right. with the documentary you're doing, it's like, Hey, let's, let's talk about the positives that we can do. And with the kind humans, it's let's talk about positive stories that are coming out of companies right. and how much cool impact can these companies have. And I think, like you said, with GoPro, it's like, it's all about storytelling and this little storytelling yeah. device that you have. Can you recall like your favorite GoPro moment? Do you oh, have man. one? I mean, you got to work on an international level, which is pretty badass. Yeah. And see, some, and, cool. see and meet some really creative people. And yeah. I mean, it was cool. And my, my, when I first got there, I could barely, I mean, I forgot my password the first day, you know, they're like, Oh, what did we hire this football player for? You know, I, I replied all with some snarky comment to like the entire company. I was like, Jesus, man, what, what am I doing? So, you know, fast forward, um, a couple of years, I oversaw team sports and we were, I did a partnership. I cold called the NHL and was like, Hey, we got this cool little device. Let's do some two year partnership comes from that. Uh, where we told stories and we put cameras on helmets and 360 content um, was best content the NHL had ever seen. Um, we put, we built lenses into hats like this that were in the pro bowl and in the big 12 championship game, right on the referee, the umpire, right yep. in the middle of the action. 
um, and we went live to broadcast from there. So you could actually tune in on your TV to that angle. So those were some of the cool things we did. And then as I, some, some other changes were made, they kind of elevated me to head of uh, global sports entertainment there where I got to work with global celebrities. So not only just team sports athletes, but an actor in Brazil who's got like 40 million on social media, but he jumps out of plane, surfs big waves, races cars, and he creates content. So all these people, not only were celebrities, but they're great creators and storytellers. Um, so, you know, last couple of years, I was in India, uh, Korea, you know, Germany, Australia, um, got to travel the world with some of these really, you know, in, inspiring people with massive channels, but they're just, they love the brand and they love having this really cool content come from this camera that can go anywhere with them. And so, um, you know, that was, that helped me now to where I'm at today with just understanding, at least faking like I understand, you know, social media and content production and digital marketing. Um, so it definitely is, uh, some good tricks I learned along the way. All right. Last one. Cause I know you got to get the kids up to the mountain. Uh, tell me about yeah. knocking point. <clears throat> um, yeah. So knocking point, uh, small wine company, company, all direct consumer, um, it's an old buddy of mine who I've known for 10 years and we'd see each other at the Kentucky Derby with uh, his co-founder who's uh, uh, was the lead on the show Arrow on the CW. He played a superhero on TV for eight years. Yeah. Um, so they'd come to the Derby, walk by the, you know, the Patriots table. We'd high five. He's like, hey, I got this winery. Oh, cool. And he'd send me some wine. Never, never really thought too much of it. And then when I got uh, cut, uh, he's like, hey, you want to come on and work, do some of these partnerships with me and these collaborations. And so um, I agreed and, and, you know, we've done, you know, some of the same celebrities I was working with at GoPro have now been able to name their own wines, select the varietal, um, and, and we sell it all direct to consumer. And, you know, during a pandemic, people are just swiping their credit cards and getting wine shipped right to their house. And, and it's a cool storytelling thing uh, for these guys. It's a great marketing tool for any message they want to get out. And we've done, you know, Jesse James Decker, who's, who's, you know, out that way yep. in Tennessee, we got Nicole Scherzinger going to come up here. We got the Sopranos actress last month, um, Teddy Bruschi. We did the comeback wine with him and raised money for his charity. Um, and so it's a fun process and, and there's some big things coming there. And it's, uh, we just did a, a, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We did a sports partnership with them. Now that we're, we've trademarked the official wine of sports. So, you know, Budweiser's the king of beers, but who made them the king of beers? You don't really know. <laughs> they did. So now we're, they did. So we call ourselves, we trademarked it, the official wine of sports and it's been super fun. Um, so yeah. And then the other local company that I sent you the, the power dot to they're down here in Encinitas. Those are and great. Carlsbad and, and you know, they're scaling right now because in a pandemic, no one wants to go to a training room. And so they want to stay at home and get all this therapy and all this recovery and all this performance stuff like you do downstairs or, or on the go. Yeah. And this, this puts this STEM machine in your pocket. And, and gives, you know, takes down those four walls of the training room and it really lets you do it anywhere. And it's, it's smart technology. So it tells you when you need more, it tells you how good you've done or, or how bad you've done or whatever. And it integrates to whoop. It integrates to Apple health. Um, there's some other big, we just integrated to Garmin. So all three of these companies, you know, you got a little health and wellness, you got a little, a little booze and, and, uh, and, and wine and storytelling. Then you got your kind of philanthropic feel good. So I'm pretty pretty happy of like the little portfolio I got going here in addition to the film thing. Lonnie, you got it all covered, buddy. Uh, well, I, awesome. I, you know, fake it, fake it to make it sometimes, but you know, I'm just trying to be a good dad. That is with four kids. It is extremely hard to, to find the time with each of them. And that's, 
that is the, and, and my wife is like, how do you even it out? Who do you take now? Who do you partner up with? And uh, so we're, we're, you know, we're getting through those tough times, um, but it's definitely, that's, that's the trickiest part of life right now. Yeah. It's awesome to hear. That's the, to me, that's the most important thing you can do. Be a great dad, produce good citizens, be a good husband. And everything else is just kind of bonus. All right. Well, I got to tell you, I look forward to you brought up the uh, Kentucky Derby. I'll never get to get on that private jet <laughs> with, all, with all of you old Patriots. But every single year, I look forward to that picture that comes out of that. I'm like, man, that is so cool, dude. Those dudes are so cool. I, but you can I, drive I, there now. <laughs> see, I'll, dr I'll drive. I'll, I'll get a big bus. We'll wrap it in kind humans. And I'll come That's pick right. you guys up. I'll come pick you up from the executive airport. I like it, man. We'll let you in. Thanks, Lonnie. I'll come to the Patriots table for sure. Hey, man, you know, Peyton's got a table next to us, but he only gets like five or six people. Aaron Rodgers, five or six. We bring like 25. It's uh, it's it's pretty yeah. remarkable what they let the Patriots do. <laughs> or Tom. Hey, all, all, all that winning goes a long way, man. <laughs> it does. It does. All right. Hey, Lonnie, thanks so much, buddy. Be safe getting up to the mountains and have fun and good luck with everything that you got going on. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks brother. Say hi to the family for me. And uh, thanks for letting me get on. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right. Yeah. We'll see you, bro. Bye-bye. Right.